0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise.
1: Hello and welcome to the EM360 Podcast with our Ask the Experts series. A weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, on today's episode, I'm being joined by Tom McEwen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Trend Data, a company that provides cloud-based software solutions that offers AI-driven people analytics to corporations and organizations. Now, before I bring Tom on, I, I feel it's important I give you a little bit of background on him so you get an idea of what we're going to be discussing today. So he's a senior executive. He's got over 25 years of experience in bringing innovative software to market. Tom's passion is to provide easy-to-use solutions that both visualize and guide organizations to their best possible futures. And during his career, Tom has propelled growth in several early and middle-stage startup companies, resulting in acquisitions that provide multi-million dollar returns for investors. So Tom, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Pleasure to be here and thank you for that introduction.
1: (laughs) Of course, (laughs) got to hype up the guests, of course.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Now today, the conversation that we're going to be having is you're going to help walk us through why companies need to focus more on manpower and why they spend so much time focusing on manpower cash to recruit, but less time really in retaining talent, which is an issue that we're seeing creep up more and more. So I guess the first question to kind of lead off the conversation is why is recruiting given so much more emphasis than the retention aspect of employees?
0: Well, I guess probably because it's a little bit more identifiable, has more form. You know, if you know you're a company that's going to try and grow 20% next year, you know, the natural thing is, well, I've got to have 20% more people. So generally there's dedicated recruiting teams that go out and, you know, hit the market and try and get, you know, the requisite number of people on board, fill the spots that the business plan is said to grow. Now- On the flip side of it, when you talk about retention, you really don't have a definable target. You don't necessarily know who's going to be leaving. You don't know what populations are in danger, or at least on the surface. So companies don't really see necessary dedicating a team to that. And they try and do it with very ad hoc things like engagement and um, surveys and stuff like that. But there's not a appointed team that goes out and says we want to make sure we don't lose any of our 20 best developers and as a result they don't find out about things until someone comes and says they're leaving and by that time it's usually too late.
1: Yeah I guess that's a a difficult thing to kind of pinpoint because as you say it's difficult to understand when people are at that stage in their career where they might want to be moving on or the company's not necessarily the best fit for them and that's the hardest thing to understand but Obviously, recruiting is important, but retention is such a a difficult thing to hold on to. And Do you think there's any one factor within organizations that can cause this issue of not being able to retain?
0: There's an organization called World at Work that does a lot of studies into this, and they regularly rate that the uh, top three are compensation, of course, but then quality of life and career advancement or development tend to be the three that are most identifiable as to why people leave companies. Now there's a bunch of sub factors that come into that, which you can actually measure and give you a hint as to why people might not be satisfied in one of those three areas. For example, if you start with compensation, you know, you might think you're paying somebody great because you're giving them a high six figure salary and think they should be happy. But if you're not comparing that to what's out there in the market, there's a lot of good Benchmark studies out there that tell you that someone of that caliber in a particular area should be making this. And then you find out that you're 10% below that, it's easy to see why someone might leave. The quality of life has sort of been more of, uh, you know, come in with the baby boomers and, you know, advance with various generations. But the idea that you should be able to have a quality life in addition to a quality um, career. And so a lot of factors can kind of tell you why someone might be feeling that they don't have that, but they're not telling you. You know, you can judge by you know, how far does someone commute to get to work in the morning? Where are they in their life cycle? Usually um, people in their you know, 28 to 45 years old are people who are raising families and they have a lot more burdens on them. And then other things such as either not having to take care of children, but also elderly care has become a big factor into what population has to deal with in addition to um, doing their job. And then the third one, career development, you can often judge that by how long someone's been in the same job. One thing you can look at tenure in a company, say somebody's been here eight years, but if six of those eight years they've been doing the same job, that's often another indicator that that person's not advancing and you might want to look at the degree to which they might be happy in their particular job.
1: It's true. There's so many factors that you just mentioned there, and it's it's so difficult for companies to to balance that, isn't it? There's so many factors there that you could be hitting the mark from a pay grade perspective, but as you say, the quality of life of whether they commute and all of those kind of aspects can have a detrimental impact as well. So it's a difficult thing for companies to balance, and I think sometimes employees can lose sight of that, making sure everyone is happy and everyone's getting what they want. When we're talking about this recruitment and retention aspect, one point i wanted to kind of raise here is do you think there should be dedicated teams for both areas
0: oh absolutely i think companies should have a dedicated team that's entirely focused on identifying and making the efforts to retain particularly high performers and kind of what we've been getting to in kind of all that we've discovered you know just what you just talked about all these different factors the kind of insane thing about it is companies have all this data they have hris systems and talent systems which have all these data points on their employees and it's really just a question of going back and looking at the data trending it looking for the patterns and stuff and seeing you know what things move or don't move you know particular parts of the population the ones you're most interested in like the high performers so the problem is solvable so but getting a team giving them access to the data is be a prime step for any company that's looking to, you know, hold on to their high performers. And particularly um, a salient point in this economy, because worldwide, but particularly in North America, the job market is very tight with low unemployment and such.
1: And I think that's important to kind of touch on from the technology standpoint, which we'll get to in a second. But when we're talking about these two teams, so one for retention, and one for recruitment, How's the best way for them to kind of work harmoniously to make sure that the communication aspect is there for understanding what is needed within the company?
0: The biggest part, like you're saying, is a, f- a free flow of communication. So you've got the inside and the outside view on things. So first of all, you've got the recruiting people who are talking to people that they're trying to sway into the company. They're telling you the perception of the company from the outside, whether you have a good brand or not whether people are happy there or like their bosses and everything. And again, a lot of this is available on a lot of sites and such. But the recruiting people could be passing that information on to the retention people saying, are your people seeing the same thing? Are we uh, viewed as a sweatshop or are we viewed as, you know, as great a company as we think we are? And same thing from the retention side is they can find out a lot, unfortunately, from people who leave and tell you why they leave. You know we left because i didn't get promotion in seven years i'm paid under market those are things you pass on to the recruiting team and you know as they're trying to um recruit people they know these are kind of the hot buttons to be able to do it and as i say like a lot of the data is there often it's in people's heads and people's guts and but uh, if it's not shared and put into practice it's not as useful as it could be of course
1: I 100% agree with you that communication is is definitely key, but it is a very difficult thing to approach because, as you say, you find out the truth when people are taking their ex-interviews, for example, and, you know nothing to lose, out I go, I can tell you whatever I want about the company. But the people who are remaining, and you raised a good point there, that uh, the top level executives and the board and everything can view it from their eyes of, you know, this is a great company to work for, we've implemented X, Y, and Z, so everyone should be happy, but that might not filter down. So how do we get to a point of an honest conversation between higher ups and workers that doesn't result in fears from workers that they're going to have any kind of struggles or backlash from what's kind of said to help improve the company
0: well the best way to do that is to tie dollars to what takes place you know for example you have a high performer leave the company you can quantify the loss of uh actually revenue impact of someone leaving the company. Uh, there's a couple of studies out there, uh, one from uh, John Sullivan, who's a noted researcher here in the US that said a, a high performer generally outperforms their average performing coworkers anyway, from four to eight times. So if you're even just able to calculate, you know, what your average revenue is for employee, and the average might be two or 300,000 per employee, you can pretty much be sure that a high performer is doing about 800,000 versus maybe the 100,000 of their counterparts. And that's a big hit. You lose 10 of those guys or females in a year. And I think often HR doesn't do that kind of diligence where they, you know, they'll say we lost 20 people last month in this factor, but they don't say we lost 20 people and, it, and it's uh, going to hit us with about $4 million in lower performance.
1: And that's the numbers that can get people to pay attention. So I, I think that's fair. I think that's a good point. And You've mentioned a couple of times here when we're talking about using data and how to improve the business from the inside out. So from a technology standpoint, then, obviously, your company deals a lot in AI, which I want to get to in, in a little bit of how that kind of works. But from an actual technology standpoint, how can this kind of help these two groups that we're talking about here?
0: Particularly looking at historical patterns most of the larger companies you know over 3000 5000 employees have generally had hr systems in place for 10 plus years so they've got enough data in there to be able to trend it out and see you know what actions caused an exodus what populations were affected by Certain things and what inaction caused either um, an exodus or at least dissatisfaction. And the same thing you can look at from recruiting, because once people are on board, you could ask them, you know, why you chose this company over another. And a lot of that comes out in the onboarding. So companies have a lot of this data. And when you put it down and you visualize it and look at the trends, it becomes, you know, quite apparent to you, keeping your company from either hitting that next level or at least getting those critical employees to enable you to do so. There's a lot of good technology out there to help you do that, even just from a standard visualization standpoint before you even introduce AI and predictive stuff.
1: Excellent, that makes sense. So with the AI element then, because I I do find this really fascinating and how this can be utilized. So would you mind just giving me an example of, say a client is using AI-driven analytics to improve retention? Like, What's the best benefit of that from an organizational standpoint?
0: Looking at your historical... You know, it could be annual, it could be monthly. Your turnover rate, and you see that it's moving upward, um, which is uh, you know a concern. And then you're able to maybe break it down and see who's leaving. Is it your high performers or is it your low performers? Is it uh, critical workers such as engineers or is it kind of the workers maybe the delivery people who you kind of factor into the equation? But being able to see you know the pattern of what's happened, and then being able to have an AI engine then can crunch that data look at, you know, what's moving people project out into the future and say, if you don't do anything, this is going to continue to be a problem. And then have the system be able to give you options to say, you know, if you change this or you change that, so take the retention. So, okay. So you have turnovers gone up to 5%, 6% a month. And the uh, data is telling you that's going to keep climbing, Uh, but then it can tell you, um, well, if you either increase salaries or let more people work from home or invest in professional development, it's going to drive that curve line down. You know, AI is great for that because it can crunch the information you have, build indexes, look at subgroups of populations and give you pretty accurate indications as to what you have to do to make the situation better. I always use the analogies like predictive analytics could tell you if you keep driving straight for 10 minutes at 70 miles an hour, you're going to drive into a wall. But prescriptive analytics tells you you make a left turn in about eight minutes.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a perfect way to kind of put it. And it's interesting how this approach can kind of be taken because I think it is important. But one question I have to ask is obviously, if companies are in the mindset of, Maybe they're not as aware as they should be of what's happening within the company. They just chalk it up to, oh, this must be happening across all industries. How would you kind of sell this approach to them to say, this is kind of what you need to understand what's going on in your business and to get a a better understanding? Is it purely an ROI basis or is it helping to improve the company culture? Like how would you kind of sell this idea to them?
0: Well, basically, you, you, know, you point out, you know, in a lot of these large companies, you know, the difference between good and great or the difference between competitor X and competitor Y is so thin, you know, how much better is Coke than Pepsi or vice versa? And any advantage, particularly when it talks about retaining people who are contributing to your success is absolutely something that you have to impress on them. It shows in dollars, shows in um, productivity and how that the company just by being able to reduce their high-performer turnover maybe by half a percent can actually result in tens of millions of dollars. And that math is actually not difficult to do. But usually you have to get to the person who's you know, really feeling the pain of it. You know, when it gets up to the CEOs presenting to the stockholders, you know, we're down this month. He's not going to point to loss of high performers as being the reason. It's really those line managers who have to get their numbers up and the HR department who has to explain, you know, why are we losing people? You guys are in charge of the culture. You guys are in charge of letting us know what happens. I've been selling for 30 years and there's always the two different factors. There's the um, business value, which is the ROI in dollars. But even more driving is the, the personal value is, uh, you know, uh, how's this going to help me? How's this going to help me help the company, um, whether it's going to make me a star or keep me from losing my job? So you always got to look at those two different factors.
1: Definitely. it's There's a lot of uh, important factors that you mentioned there. And and I kind of want to put your brains for quite a while this, this afternoon, but I feel like uh, we've got to get to a wrap up point. So I'll, I'll ask one final question. When we're talking about this conversation, obviously, it's something that a lot of companies need to focus on. Company culture has become such an important element of what we do, and, and I feel like a lot of companies are switching that for around to retention. So what does the future look like for everything we've discussed today? Where do you want to see it kind of evolve to?
0: You want to see it evolve to where decisions are data-driven, but not to the point where it's dehumanizing companies. The data doesn't lie. You look at, this is what's happened time and time and again, you know, this is likely what's going to happen in the future. But you don't want to look at your employees as a, a sum of um, three or four different filters. You still want to treat them humanely like employees because that makes them better workers. But really the way I seeing it is, you know, companies have to get better of knowing their assets and their principal asset is their people. You know, what drives them, what motivates them, what keeps them and what attracts them.
1: I think that's the perfect kind of point to end on and very true and something we we hope companies can kind of look forward to doing so tom thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and giving us your insight today
0: oh my pleasure and uh hope to see if you get over to this side of the pond
1: of course of course it's been an absolute pleasure and if anyone out there is interested in learning more about what we've spoken about today then do make sure you head on over to trenddata.com to find out more information thank you so much for listening make sure you go subscribe to this podcast at apple podcast google play spotify or wherever you get your podcasting fix from we'll be back next week with another in our ask the expert series thank you once again to tom and we'll see you all back here next week
0: You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.